is episode number 92 of Hebrews in Exile with our honorable teacher, Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton. And in this episode, we're going to tackle the issue of the Hebraic calendar and how we can use the Hebraic calendar to calculate when our Moedims, our festivals, take place throughout the Hebraic year. We're also going to talk about some miscellaneous mitzvot and also make some general clarifications and mainly to this place called hell. So stay tuned. That and much more. Hebrews in exile. You know what we do. Let's go. You're my light. You're a creation. You make everything right. This is Rabbi Robert B. Holman Jr. And Sean Appleton. And this is Hebrews in exile. Don't say you know, Sean. <laughs> I'm gonna beat you to it tonight. <laughs> you know, Ambassador Holman. <laughs> oh, I listen to I listen to the podcast, and I always start that. You know, Sean. <laughs> well, anyway, you know, Sean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know, Sean. <laughs> Do you all know, Sean? Yeah. Listen, there is a subject. There's two subjects we need to talk about. Tonight. All right. One of them, I need you to pontificate about. Okay. And that is the Hebrew calendar. Oh, okay. One of the things that um, people don't understand, they don't understand and they don't know the difference between the Gregorian calendar and the Hebrew calendar, but they know there is a Hebrew calendar and they don't know how to relate to it. Mm. And it, it is good because one of the issues is, is that we have all of these festivals that show up. Yeah. One. And number two, uh, the other factor has to do with this idea of Rosh Hashanah being the head of the year. Right, and I think Rosh yeah. Head, head, yeah, yeah. That's what and, kind of confuses people. Yeah, it with confuses that word. people because the Most High established in Shemot, I think, chapter twelve, when the beginning of the year was for Hebrew Israel. That's right. From which that we count the months that take us through through our time frame. Yep, absolutely. That top of that. Uh, that time frame is called the month of Aviv. That's when Pesach starts. And that, and and now once again, when we talk about Aviv, Aviv is in what Gregorian month? Because you see, you have to for uh, them. Okay. You have to. You have to. We have to. We have to put them both in the same block. Yeah, and it's it's um, so to to be specific, it's in it's, and see that's the beauty about the Hebrew calendar is that you have to watch when those Rosh Chodeshes are, which is the, uh, the new moons which signify the beginning of the month. Because if you look at what's in, in text, it says that, you know, from, on the first month, on the 15th day, well, wouldn't you know when the first day of the month is? And that's predicated on the, the Rosh Chodesh. But in the month of Aviv, which is in the springtime, that's what Aviv means, it's, it'll usually fall within the month of March, March or April. April. Yeah. Um, usually it, March. Yeah, it usually, most of the time it'll be in March. Yes, but the end, about the end of March. Right. Middle, about the middle or end of March. Right. Well, so, let's put it this way. For those of you who understand, Aviv falls around the same time as you get start getting ready for your 
<laughs> for your idolatrous Easter. That's right. That Esther uh, month. That Tammuz. Estarde. Estarde. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's that, in that same. It's in that same month. Yeah. So, um, I mean, there's a lot to elaborate on that calendar. I mean, um, I could go so far as to say, you know, how. Well, how, what capacity do you want me to talk about it in? Because well, here's there's... the thing. Here's the thing. One of the issues with the calendar is that the Hebrew calendar maps out all of the events that are written in by Ikra chapter 23. That, that's true. That's true. Yes. It maps out uh, when Pesach is. It maps out when uh, um, uh, First Fruits is. It maps out Feast of Matzah. Mm -hmm. It maps out when Shavuot is. It mm -hmm. maps out when uh, uh, Feast of Trumpets, Trumpets is. Yep. It maps out when the Day of Atonement is. Yom and Kippur. it maps out when Sukkot, when Sukkot is. That's right. But you have to know when, when you're reading it and he talks about the seventh month, you have to know when the seventh month and when the 15th and the 10th day of the seventh month is. And so I was going to ask, I wanted you to, to elaborate on that just mm -hmm. a little bit. We don't have to go into detail, mm -hmm. just those, those, those points. I mean, which, 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 I mean, which and, you and, I mean, and then you're, you're talking about, you're talking about Rosh Kadesh. You're talking about a new moon. Yep. People don't know uh, when, when that is or what it even looks like. Oh, okay, good. Um, so your new moon is going to be, and, and the best way to uh, look at the new moon is if, if you've got, you've got this technology in your hand, it's called you either your phone or you got an iPad or even the internet. Let's just say that. Um, and to go look at the lunar cycle and the lunar cycle will show you when the new moon actually shows up. So the new moon designates the beginning of the month. And you got to be careful with that because th there's at least two nights where it will be completely dark. You won't even see the moon. And then that's how, I, let me go a little step further than that. Um, there's this thing called the sliver and the sliver only comes out in the Western sky for a, a little bit of amount of time. And then it hides itself. That's how yes. we kind of know when the new moon actually starts and when the that's going to kick off the first of the month. It's right. got to be something that you're looking for. Right. But you can get really, really close, if not on the exact day, um, because there are going to be some times where it's going to be overcast and you right. can't see can't it. see it. So um, I personally rely on those types of tech, that technology to designate when that Rosh Chodesh is, which is the new moon, which will designate the beginning of the month. Now, when you've designated when the beginning of the month is, now you can go back into text and say, okay, if Aviv is the beginning of the year and there's a specific day from, because it'll say on the first month, on the either the 15th day or in the seventh month, on the first day right. and on the 10th day and right. on the 15th day. Right, right. Or on the 14th day, it'll give you a specific time when the Most High asks for us to honor the mitzvot, which is to show up. And there are certain things that we have to do on those particular uh, festival days. It's, it's, it's a part of our, um, you, you eloquently have said this before in the past, which is, it's, it's a meeting time. You're, yeah. you're, you're, you wouldn't uh, skip out on a, on a meeting that your supervisor or somebody that has an authority or dominion over you at work says, mm -hmm. I want to meet with you at this particular time. Right. Um, <clears throat> which is an interesting aspect. I always got to draw this in here because for all, for those of you that are still straddling that are on the fence, 
I don't, and I asked this question this past Shabbat, is where in, uh, across the street at 7, 9, and 11 o'clock service do they ever talk about uh, an appointed time that you're supposed to meet with your supposed God? They, they don't, don't. They don't. Because they don't know. So, I mean, you hear about how your, your, your savior participated in things like what? They call it Pentecost, which is an appointed time called Shavuot. Shavuot. So um, those particular times you see where he is observing the Shabbat. Um, so those are appointed times that are written over in the Tanakh. And I want to add this last point and, and, and maybe, um, hopefully this is enough to get people going in the right direction to spark some inspiration so you can do your own research on it. But then even your Gregorian calendar is set up to affirm what we're talking about. So for instance, your Gregorian calendar is set up to say that, uh, th we're in the month of what? October, Right. The first part of the word October is, comes from, I believe, a Roman word, which is the number eight. So if you count back eight months from where we are right now, even though we specify it as the 10th month of the year, the name October has the number eight associated with it. That's like when you go to November, that's the number nine. When you go to the, uh, the month of December, that's the word for the part of that. The etymology of that word is deca, which means 10. It's Roman. So if you count back 10 months from December, you will wind up at March Aviv, Aviv which is the beginning of the year. Of so the your, year. your Gregorian calendar of <coughs> Affirms this. Now you say, well, okay, well, why in the world do we start the beginning of the year and from the Gregorian calendar st standpoint? See, this is getting into this whole entire Council of Nicaea, 325, all this types of research that's that you can do to affirm this. But um, I'll give you this. We start in our calendar on in January because in Roman times, that's when the civil year started. So, and it's named January because there was a Greek god and Janus. named Janus and it had two faces. So what the idea was is one face looked to the last year, the other face looked to the beginning of the year. So when you pick apart even the names of the months, part of the months are Roman, part of the and a lot of them are Roman when you get into July, Julius Caesar, Augustus, August. So there's a lot of things that are pagan that are within those names, but that's just to give you wet your whistle and, and spark some, some inspiration to do some research on that. But even your Gregorian calendar, that's the point, affirms the Hebrew calendar. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. That's good. So we just, we, we just came out of the seventh month. Yeah. High and holy days. High holy we days. We had a whole bunch yeah, of festivals. High holy Three days of them were back in to the back. seventh month, which 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 occurs pretty much every year. Yep. Uh, in the month starts in the month of September. Yep. So yep. there you there you have it. Just want to just want to give you something to think about <clears throat> for those of you that are new and those of you that want to keep up with the various feast days. Um, Pesach, which is Passover, is in the month of Aviv. Yep. And it, it's it's the month which starts the beginning of Hebrew Israel's year. 
Right. Hebrew Israel's year begins in the month of Aviv and not in the month of so-called Tishri, as the Oxenazis want to make to us call it. think and believe. And that's that's a great point because also when you look at texts and you examine our manuscript that the Most High has imparted to his servant Moshe to give to us, there's only four months that have names assigned to them. Aviv is one of them. It escapes me right now. I know Etanim is another one. I think Etanim is actually the seventh seventh month, but there are four names. It's for the first, I believe the second, the seventh, and the eighth month actually have names assigned to them. All other months that are enumerated in the text go by number. Go by numbers, yeah. So it's the <coughs> sixth month, or if they're going to make a reference to anything, it's they do it by number, yeah. not by not by. Tishri or, right, or right, eel right, or whatever right, it is. Right, right, right. Just wanted to, yeah. just wanted you. Now, now we're going to get into ah. another subject that has to be deduced. Yeah. The majority of people who are probably sincere about their Christian walk wraps around two thoughts, which I call the elephants in the room. Okay. One of the elephants is Yeshua or Jesus Christ. And the second elephant in the room is this idea about the devil and hell. Yes. Yeah. Those are motivational pieces. And yeah, for them. And most people go to church to get saved so they don't go to, to hell. hell. Yep. yep. So I want to deal with that tonight. Okay. A dear sister that I was talking to began to ask me about the serpent <laughs> and asked me about the so-called fallen angel in Isaiah 44. So I want to talk about those tonight. Okay. Let's unpack it. Now, let's start out first in Bereshit chapter 3, verse 1. 3, verse 1. All right. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any wild animal which Yahweh Elohim had made. I want you to listen to the text. Mm. The text calls it a serpent that was more crafty than any wild animal. Mm -hmm. I want to know, how does this serpent that's more crafty than any wild animal get to be the devil? That's good. That is a great question. I'd like to know the answer to that, too. When, when did he become... When did this serpent that was cursed to the ground become the devil? Yeah. And, 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 then, and then verse 14 says, Then Yahweh Elohim said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all livestock and wild animals. Mm -hmm. You will crawl on your belly and eat dust as long as you live. How do you get the devil or Satan out of that? 
You know what? I'm going to give you a and, real... And, 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 and then and my next question is, how do you get that out of that? And then my next question is, who told you that that's what that was? You know what? You, you, you answered where I was going to go, which is I was going to give a real remedial answer and go back to where my upbringing, through imagery, through the things that I was told. It wasn't any research that was done on it. It was just when you see the image of what happened in the garden, you get this uh, ubiquitous uh, 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 imagery of a man and a woman with a fig leaf over their private parts and this serpent that's in there and the devil and the apple and didn't say anything about an apple or anything. No. It's just, it's just imagery, it's imagery that you inherently say, okay, well, this has to be true. Because the person that's presenting it to me, I trust. And who was that? <laughs> Your pastor. And who, and who told him that? Yeah, that's the great question. Yeah, they're passing down. You see, yeah. you see, all of this stuff that's <laughs> error, totally error. The text is clear. Right. The Most High said, now the serpent was more crafty than any wild animal which Yahweh Elohim had made. Okay? See? Then he comes down and he says, and Yahweh Elohim said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all livestock and wild animals. So this serpent had to have been what? Come on. A wild animal? A wild animal? A from the livestock? That's right. That could Well, see, this is the other part that I was going to was going to want to touch on is that it's easier for people to understand that that's the devil, but it's harder for them to understand that the serpent could talk, that he was crafty, yes, and that he could walk. Yes. Now, all of them three points, uh, they'll discount, but they have no problem interjecting the fact that that's the devil when the devil never shows up in this text at all. At all. Nowhere. Nowhere. There's no devil. There is no devil. There is no serpent in all of the foundation of Scripture. <clears throat> except, except when Mashe made the image in the wilderness That's and right. lifted up the, the staff with the, the, the staff with the yep. serpent on it mm -hmm. in the wilderness, which all the hospitals use now. Well, I gotta, there's there's something about that too, because, I, <laughs> oh man, I thought that that's what that's what's for. That when you see the ambulance going down the street and you see the, the serpents wrapped around it, that mm -hmm. okay, that has to be what that is for. It actually isn't. Yeah. When you do the research on that, that mm. actually comes from Greek mythology. Okay. There's I'm not a, surprised. There's a, there's a, uh, uh, I want to say it's a demigod, but it's more of a, um, yeah, that's what he is. And I forget his name. His name starts with an A, but, um, and somebody can go oh, look this Apis? up. Apis? Yeah. Somebody, it's, it's along the lines of that. Yes. And he had these powers of healing. Yes. And what he did, he got bit by, Apis. there was a serpent Apis, that was involved Apis. in there. Yeah. And it was, it, it comes from him. Yes. That particular piece. Yes. So I thought for a long time too, it's like when people go around and they think, oh, you look to that and, that and you get your healing, but that's not what that's, that's not from. What it's, so, 
So my, but, but my, the point being is that you have to read text within the context of the text itself. Yes. And not try to make it something that it's not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Such is the case here in Bereshit chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. He tells you exactly that it's a wild animal. Yes. Crawls on his, it crawls on four feet. Yep. And it's and it's and it was more it was cursed more than all livestock and wild animals. It tells you that. Now mm-hmm. we get back to the issue of understanding that in the beginning, when the most high created all things and he said it was good, before before the fall of Adam, the animals and and man could talk could, to, each to each other. other. Yes. Now, I, now, 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 I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a logical thing to think about. If you have a dog, if you have a cat, tell me how come it is you can talk to that dog and that cat, and that dog and that cat understand exactly what you're saying. Hmm. Hmm. When you give that dog orders, he understands exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. How is it that when you have your dog trained to understand you, that like you would look at your child and give him that look that says, you can look at your dog and give him that look and 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 he'll respond back to you in human in, 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 in human activity. I have seen dogs. I have seen dogs. This one dog was sitting in this lady's chair. Mm-hmm. She came, and he was, and he wasn't. He he was propped up on. on he was sitting on his hiney with his with his with his with his hands up like like this. Okay, okay. And she came in, and she asked asked the dog, "Why are you sitting in my chair?" Mm-hmm. The dog said, Aah. And she said, you know you're not supposed to be in my chair. The dog said, (laughs) and she told the dog, get out of my chair. The dog said, because the dog can't talk, but the dog understands. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Finally, the dog gets out of the chair and he storms out of the chair and out of the room just like a child would. I saw this. Mm. Right? This, is, this, is not, this is not made up. As a matter of fact, you can go online and look and look on YouTube. You can find videos of that taking place. Mm-hmm. How is it that a horse can understand its trainer? Mm. Because once upon a time, animals and man communicated with each other and they communicated verbally Mm -hmm. see you use those two there's one that i use when i explain this to people too what i use i use the the, uh, a very famous bird called a parakeet oh the parakeet of the parrot actually the parrot Parrot, parrot, yeah that can actually talk. talk yes yes they can verbalize yes they can say things and repeat everything that you say so it's not far fetched to believe that animals at one time could speak and communicate. And this is goes back to what makes me understand why that when uh, your great ancestor, Adam, was in Eden, 
the animals came by and said whatever they needed to say to him. Yes. And that's how he named them. Yes. So yes. It's, it's, it's not far-fetched. No. So I want you to understand, let's, let's deal with text within, within the fiber of text. Let's not, uh, let's not uh, um, make it what it's not. Mm -hmm. The Most High said it was a wild animal. Right. The Most High said that it was going to be cursed more than all the livestock and wild animals, and you will crawl on your belly and eat dust as long as you live. That does not mean it's a snake. Hmm. Interesting. Snakes aren't the only thing that crawl on their belly. That's correct. They're not. They're not. Hmm. And it doesn't mean that a snake is a serpent and a snake is the devil. That's that's for sure. Yeah. So let's 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 diffuse that. Okay. Okay, now. Let's go over to Isaiah. Yeshayahu yes, chapter Yahoo. 14. All right. Because you have to read the text. And and I'm guilty of this. I, I'm guilty of this. I, I'm going to tell you now. I'm guilty of this because I didn't. I didn't read the whole text. Oh, okay. You get down here to uh, to uh, um, uh, verse twelve. You jump into verse twelve. How did you come to fall from the heavens, morning star, son of the dawn? How did you come to be cut down to the ground and conquer nations? You get there and you think once again that it's talking about an angel mm -hmm. that has fallen from the Shemaim. Right. Let's go back and read the text. The text sets it up for us so we can understand. Okay. Let's go back to verse one. We're going to read for a minute. All right. Y'all get, get, get your scriptures. We're going to read for a minute. Come on, gather around, children. For Yahweh will have compassion on Yaakov. He will once again choose Israel and resettle them in their own land where foreigners will join them, attaching themselves to the house of Yaakov. Now, man. Now, that text right there takes us over to Yeshayahu. Uh, chapter 66, where the Most High talks about he's going to bring foreigners with him, mm -hmm. and those foreigners, he is going to make Levium. Mm. Okay? So, when we read this, this 14, 14 is talking once again about the restoration of Israel back in the land from under the from under the the, the leadership and the abusiveness of foreign of foreign of foreign people. In this particular case here in 14, the foreign nation happens to be Babel. Correct. That's set up back up in verse four. Well, it's in verse four. Let's get down to it. Mm -hmm. Peoples will take the S will take and escort them. 
these are, their, these are their nations, to their homeland, and the house of Israel will possess them in the land of Yahweh as male and female slaves. Now, that's written wrong. That's not what that means. And that's where, this is where the purple yeah. and blue people Gold people Go, yeah. get this idea about the foreigners going to be your slave. That's not what the text is saying. Mm. The text, and, and one of the problems that we have with, with Hebraic language is that Hebraic language, when you go back into the scroll and you look up words that are, that, that are there in the Hebrew scroll, a Hebrew word can have several different meanings to the one word. Mm -hmm. It can mean ghost. It can mean uh, a word can be, it, it can be, it, it can have several, one word can have several different meanings. Mm -hmm. Okay. In this case here, the word uh, male and female slaves has different different words that are associated with it. What it means is, and the house of Israel will possess them in the land of Yahweh as male and female slaves. No, the house of Israel, because the nations that are bringing us back to the land don't want to leave. And because they don't want to leave, they have chosen to stay with us and be servants to us. Right. That's what the text means. And here's the other thing, is that we always have to remember that we are set apart for the Most High. And we can't look at the word, which is piggybacking on what you're saying. You can't look at it from uh, a recent times uh, of what slavery no, is. No, no, You have to be well-versed in the manuscript and our constitution to understand what the mitzvot are concerning, concerning servants and how they're supposed to be treated. Exactly. This is not the same as taking you out in the field and how we were treated, you know, a couple of centuries ago no. coming to this country. No. And that's the problem with the folks across the street is that their, their lack, I'm not saying the folks across the street, but the purple and gold folks that everybody uses as the poster child for all of us. I got a, there's a podcast right in there, right there. We, we can need to do, but they use those folks because they're the most vocal as the poster child for the rest of us. And we're simply saying, if you read the text in its context, when you look at what a slave and a servant is in Israel, it is a completely different concept. Completely different context. Than what we are used to. As a matter of fact, uh, I forget which, 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 uh, which part of our Hebrew studies is in. It says that there comes a time when you are supposed to let your your servant or your in the text does use the word slave, yep. but your servant go. Right. And and if he chooses not to go, he chooses to remain with his master. He's supposed to get a, 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 an all an all on the doorpost on a, on a, on the doorpost of his ear. Yep. And he has chosen to remain with his master. And the text says, and his master is supposed to treat him as one of his own household. Right. And the issue is, 
which is important in the in the mitzvot. Look, we just pontificate and see when it's inside of you, it just it just comes out. Yeah. yeah. So part of that in and and elaborating on that is the choice is given to the servant. Yes. It is not the oppressor's not decision the oppressor. to no. whether or not you stay no. or not. No. No. It's up to them, which is again a totally different concept from what we have considered to be servitude or slavery. They will take their captors captive and rule over their possessors, their oppressors. Well, that that whole that whole line is one of the is part of the part of verse two, which is the idea that our captors who are bringing us back to the homeland and our oppressors who have been our oppressors, they find it a necessity to remain with us. Now let's read on. Then when Yahweh gives you rest from your suffering and trouble and from the hard service imposed on you, you will take up this this taunt song against the king of Babel. Okay, so who are we talking about? We're talking about Babel. Babel. We're talking about Babylon. (laughs) We're talking about Nebuchadnezzar. Right. This text is talking about Nebuchadnezzar. This whole chapter of 14 is talking about Nebuchadnezzar. Mm-hmm. Now, at last the oppressor is stilled. His arrogance is ended. Yahweh has broken the staff of the wicked, the scepter of the rulers, which fiercely struck down peoples with unceasing blows, angrily beating down nations with relentless persecution. The whole earth is at rest and quiet. They break into song. The cypress, the cypress rejoice over you with the cedars of Lebanon. Now that you are laid low, no one comes to cut us down. Now, we gotta, now to understand this, we have to understand history. You have to understand the history of how King Nebuchadnezzar operated. Mm. He was ruthless. He chose lots. He was so brazen and so bold that he chose lots as to which nation he was going to go and conquer. The cast lots for it. Yeah. Mm. Whatever comes out of the bag, that's the next one that's up. Yes. And then when he did that, one of the things that he did was he cut down the cypress trees and the cedar trees. Mm. So now it says, the cypress will rejoice over you. The cedars will left. Now that you are laid low, no one comes to cut us down. Why? Because Nebuchadnezzar now has been brought low. Mm. We're going to see that when we get back over into Daniel. Okay. Now. Here comes this word. Sheol below is stirred up to meet you when you come. Who? When who comes? When Nebuchadnezzar comes. comes. Right. And what why, is- and why and why is Sheol shook up? Because this man has raised havoc in the land of the living to such a degree that the souls in Sheol are even stirred up about his arrival. Mm. Okay. Now, are you gonna go there with this with Sheol? Come on, you can go. Okay, because I think this is where, um, as we were talking off uh, off camera and off off recording, that uh, this is a perfect example of a springboard sermon. 
where the idea of the word Sheol, because it's, it shows up in the Greek, well, it's translated in the Greek text as, as from a Greek standpoint, as hell, that that's what that means, to establish Hades, if you will, over here on our side of the street. Sheol, the proper translation is the grave. It is not hell. It is where your It is the holy place of the remains. Yeah, exactly. And so, and and your soul, your soul is held in a holding place. Mm-hmm. Where's the holding place? It's in Sheol. Right. So there is no anybody presiding over you, tormenting you to and 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 no. pricking whatever no. it's and, no. and tearing you apart. No. This is And there's no fire there. Right. So it's 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 a it's a misinterpretation and application of a word that comes up in the New Testament trying to apply it to the manuscript that we have over here incorrectly. So therefore you run with it and you say, okay, that is hell. So that establishes hell over here. So let's run with that. And it's again, if anybody listened to the last five minutes of us talking, you set it up so eloquently when it says you have to read it in context. This is not talking about the morning star falling down from the sky and the devil has said nothing about the devil in here. No, we're going to get to that. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm stealing thunder. Yeah. No, 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 you're fine. <laughs> okay. So it says it awakens for you the ghost of the dead. So now if I look at this, if I look this word up in, in, in Hebrew, this word ghost is going to have several different meanings. Mm. It awakens the spirit of the dead. Mm. Okay who were leaders on earth. It makes all the kings of the nations arise from their thrones. They all greet you with these words. Greet who with what words? Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babel. Mm -hmm. Now you are as weak as we are. You have become like us. Why? Because he was once a powerful king. Mm-hmm. He was once a powerful nation that raised havoc on nations. He raised havoc on the Hebrew people when they took them captive into, into Babylonian captivity. Mm-hmm. Now, now he's been brought down. Your pride has been brought down to Sheol. To the grave. With, with the music of your lairs under you a mattress of maggots. Why maggots? Because it's the grave. It's the ground. It's the ground of which the which the body decays. That's correct. And when the body starts to starts decaying, the maggots, the worm, the worms form in the body and and and, and, it, and it eats it eats it away. Mm-hmm. Over you a blanket of worms. Now, how did you? Now listen to now 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 now. now what are we talking about? Who are we talking about? We're talking about Babel, and we're talking about Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. Listen to the text. How did you come to fall from the heavens, morning star, son of the dawn? How did you come to be cut to the ground, conqueror of nations? You thought to yourself, I will scale the heavens. I I will raise my throne above El's stars. I will sit on the mount of the assembly 
far away in the north. Now, guess where he comes from? Mm. He comes from the north. When you t- when you read text, when you read text and it talks about Nebuchadnezzar and Babel, Nebuchadnezzar and Babel are in the north. Mm. That's where they come from. Okay. I will race past the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Instead, you are brought down to Sheol, to the uttermost depths of the pit. Those who see you will stare at you, reflecting on what has become of you. Is this the man who shook the earth, who made kingdoms tremble, who made the world a desert, who destroyed its cities, who would not set his prisoners free. No, if they didn't agree with him and he thought that they were they were just nobodies, he killed them. That's right. That's history. Mm-hmm. That's history. Now, now, let's go over. Let's hold that. Hold that. And remember, the question is, the question is, how did you come to fall from the heavens, morning star? Son of the dawn, how did you come to be cut to the ground and conquer nations? Now, let's go to Daniel chapter 4 and verse 7. Daniel, Daniel chapter 4, and we might start at 7, we might start above that. All right. In Daniel chapter 7, Nebuchadnezzar, was contently living at home, the text says, enjoying the luxury of my palace. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was contently living at home, enjoying the luxury of my palace. But as I lay on my bed, I had a dream which frightened me, followed by fantasies and visions in my head, which frightened me even more. And he should have been frightened. Mm Mm-hmm. So I ordered all the sages of Babel to present themselves to me so that I could tell them, so that they could tell me the interpretation of the dream. Right. When the magicians, exorcists, astrologers, and diviners came, I told them the dream, but they couldn't interpret it for me. Finally, however, Daniel renamed Belteshazzar after the name of my God. Uh Uh-oh. Belteshazzar is the name of his God. Mm-hmm. In whom is the spirit of the set-apart Elohims came before me, and I told him the dream. Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the set-apart Elohims is in him, and no mystery is too difficult for him. Tell me the meaning of the visions I saw in my dream. Now, remember what we read in Isaiah right. about him being set apart as this 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 star and this 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 thing that's fallen from heaven. Mm-hmm. Now listen to the dream. Mm-hmm. Here is the vision that I had in my head as I lay on my bed. I looked, and there before me was a tree mm-hmm. at the center of the earth. It was very tall. The tree grew 
and became strong until its crown reached the sky and could be seen from anywhere on earth. He's talking about himself. That's right. That's right. Its foliage was beautiful and its fruit abundant. Mm -hmm. It produced enough food for everyone. The wild animals enjoyed its shade. The birds in the air lived in its branches and it gave food to every living creature. I looked in the visions of my head as I lay on my bed and there appeared a set-apart watcher coming down from the Shemaim and he cried out. Now, 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 here, here is going to be the fruition of what is going on in Isaiah chapter 14. Okay. Because Isaiah 14 tells you about his destruction and how low he came. Mm -hmm. This is, this, this, this is the vision that is the precursor to his fall described by Isaiah. Mm Mm-hmm. Cut down the tree, cut off its branches, strip off its leaves, scatter its fruit, and let the wild animals flee from its shelter. Let the birds abandon its branches, but leave the stump with its roots in the ground with a band of iron and Mm. bronze. In the lush grass of the countryside, let him be drenched with dew from the sky. Oh, wait a minute. Mm. Didn't Nebuchadnezzar get, did, didn't he get cut down to where he looked like a, like an animal in the field? I think you, I think you're on to something. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Didn't he? And he was there for a long time, long time eating, yeah. eating like an animal in the field. Mm-hmm. That's the same verbiage that we just read in Yeshayahu chapter 14. Yeah. Mm. Let his hair and mind cease to be human. What do the animals say? Mm. You've become like us and become those of an animal and let seven seasons pass over him. Mm. This order is issued by the watchers. The sentence is announced by the set apart ones so that all who live may know that the most high rules the human kingdom and that he gives to whomever he wishes and he can raise up over it the lowest of mortals. Mm. Daniel chapter four speaks to the issues that we just read in Yeshayahu chapter 14. Mm-hmm. So in chapter 14 of Yeshayahu, get back to it. Uh, come on. Uh, take my history. Come on. Take me back. Take me back. Take me back. Uh-oh. Uh, start a song here. Yeah, I thought you were going to finish that, the rest of that verse. <laughs> take me back to where, the place where I, I first received one. you. Okay, so now... <laughs> So now we get down here to verse number. Uh, where are oh, we? Oh, you were in the middle of that song. Um, right here at uh, uttermost. Come on, come on. Uh, study you brought down the uttermost depths of the pit. What, maybe around seven, seven, sixteen, seventeen. Yeah, eighteen. All of the kings. Yeah, no, of the, no, no. We want to get. Oh, down. you want to go back up yeah, further? We got, so we now down we get trees. down. How did you come to fall from the heavens, morning star? Nebuchadnezzar was considered to be 
a morning star, the sun of the dawn. How did you come to be cut to the ground? Well, I just read to you in Daniel chapter chapter 4 how that happened, and this particular issue is the thing. So now the question becomes one, okay? Full circle. Here we come. How does... How does this text in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, down to verse... Why don't you just... Whatever. To the whole from, thing. From there. How does he become Satan? <sighs> Easy. How does he become a fallen angel? Is it because the text says that uh, how did you come to fall from the heavens, morning star? There's nothing in there that talks about any 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 Malachim or any fallen angel. Easy. We've already established, and I'm I'm just blowing the wind out of all of our sails. Easy. When you have established over in Hebrew seven, a new doctrine based on new principles, which has done away. And called it weak and ineffective. You have the liberty and your first emissary has been given the keys to the church. You can come up and make up anything that you want to make up. And unfortunately, that ideology has been perpetuated and it doesn't have a leg to stand on. And there's no basis for it at all. Other than the fact that, oh, okay, there's a word over here and this establishes our precedent that we've set over here are trying to prove the devil. Now. There's there's nothing to step to now, substantiate it. Now, now. So there's nothing to substantiate to substantiate that that the serpent is the devil. Correct. There's nothing to establish and substantiate that in Isaiah chapter 14 that there's a devil or a fallen angel. Mm -hmm. The angel, read the text, it's talking about Babel is talking about King Nebuchadnezzar. Right. Now, now let's go across the street. Oh, do we have to go across I the street? I got to go there. We got to look both ways before we cross the street. I look both ways. Okay, all right. Where are we going across the street? If you don't look both ways, you're liable to get run over by a truck. There's some piranha over there in them waters across the street. All Luke right. Chapter 16, verse 19. Luke. Luke. Dr. Luke? Dr. Luke. All right. And this is the story. <laughs> this is a story, y'all. A story. It's a story. That's right. Once there was a rich man who used to dress in the most expensive clothing and spend his days in magnificent luxury. Starting at 19. Okay. Uh-oh. 16 and 19. Uh-oh. 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 All right. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That's the same verbiage <laughs> that we read in Isaiah about Nebuchadnezzar when he said he was living in my palace in his palace in, in the, luxury. In the lap of luxury. In the lap of luxury. Okay. Mm. That's the same verbiage. Sure is. Just 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 twist it a little bit. Mm -hmm. At his gate had been laid a beggar named Eleazar who was covered with sores. 
he would have been glad to eat the scraps that fell from the rich man's table, but instead, even the dogs would come and lick his sores. Mm. In time, the beggar died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's side, and the rich man also died and was buried. <laughs> to Abraham's side, Father Abraham, you know my father Abraham? See, this is getting really. <laughs> this is getting fantastic really, now. Really quirky. <laughs> I mean, I would have so many questions as to why this individual. What what would make Malak come down from the divine place of excellence to carry this beggar off to be by Avraham's side? What? Yeah. What, what? There's. Some stuff missing out of here. Oh, absolutely, because this is this is a Greek this is Greek mythology. This is an Iliad. This is a story. You already set this it's up. I'm story. taking it too seriously. It's a story. Okay, I got it. I got it. Okay. <laughs> in Sheol, where he was in torment, the rich man looked up and saw Abraham far away with Eleazar at his side. He mm. called out, "Father Abraham, take pity on me." And send Elzar just to dip the tip of his finger in water to cool my tongue. Because I'm in agony in this fire. Mm. This text right here is the reason why people are enamored with Jesus saving them from hell. This story right here. Can can I ask you in your infinite wisdom, please? And I'm I am not being facetious. I need instruction. Let's go back to twenty three and let's read this. Am I missing something? It says in Sheol, where? That okay? So right where now he was in, in torment. torment. So right now the the Christian idea is that Sheol is hell. So let's just use their terminology in hell where he was in torment, the rich man looked up and saw Avraham far away with Eleazar at his side. What is Avraham doing in hell? Well, see. <laughs> <laughs> did you, did no, you notice no, that? What well, in the world is he even well, doing there in the no, first place? No, you're missing something. Okay, that's why I'm asking for, for instruction. He said he saw Avraham far away. Okay. But... The text also says that uh, uh, in Sheol, where he was in torment, the rich man looked up, saw so, him far away, <laughs> and wait a minute. That's what I'm minute. saying. Where, where are we? We, in, we are in Sheol. Apparently to them, we are in hell. And he looked up and he saw if he was 15 yards, 100 yards off, a mile away. Well... We're still in hell. Yeah, yeah, and he's somewhere where there's where there's fire. Right, and apparently a water source. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I, I'm getting, I'm getting way ahead of this because again, you set it up again. I'm gonna use that word eloquently. This is a story. It's a story. It's not. And see, this is the problem. They'll get up there on Sunday morning and teach this like this is the inerrant word that came from the Most High. This is a story. This is story time. Now, Abraham's having a conversation with him. <laughs> Son, remember that when you were alive, 
you got the good things while he got the bad. But now he gets he gets his consolation here while you are the one in agony. Yet that isn't all. Between you and us now, 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 now here comes the divide. All right. Between you and us, a deep rift has been established so that those who would like to pass from here to you cannot, nor can you, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. Okay, so another way to look at this is to say, okay, well, brother, you, you, Sean, you're wrong, okay? Because he's, he's looking up and he's seeing Avraham afar off. Avraham is not in hell, but apparently if you're in hell, you have the ability to look out and see... You, you're, you're able to look out and see the good life. Right. You're able to. That, so I guess that's part so, of the torment. Yeah, so you're tormented <laughs> fire looking at the good life. So this is where they get, oh, grandmama is looking down at me. She sees me, but she's not in hell, though. Okay. All right. I'm, maybe I'm getting way ahead of myself. The point, I'm, the point of bringing up Luke 16 mm -hmm. is Luke 16 is a story. If we go back up to the beginning of 19, I want you to notice something. Notice how it's written. And we'll start at verse 14. Matter of fact, matter of fact, there's there's so much going on. There's so much going in chapter going on in chapter 16. There's so many thoughts going on here. They 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 just we come out we come out of 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 um of a woman who commits adultery and a man who marries a woman divorced by her husband commits adultery to once there was a rich man. Oh boy. There's no there's Rhyme no reason, there's no consistent yeah. flow in the thought that's going on in chapter in chapter uh sixteen at all. The point being, Sean, mm -hmm. is that nowhere in the Constitution right. of Hebrew Israel does the opulent, absolute, all-existent one, the mighty one, speak anything about anybody called a devil mm -hmm. and no place called hell. That's right. That's right. Nowhere. Right. And I actually want to just jump in here and say one more thing, because I know y'all have heard me say this quite a few times and beat this dead horse and turn him into glue. But we're on this topic and I feel compelled to say it one more time. So please give me some patience. One more. One more again. One more. One more again. One more. To add to what, to what, we're, what we're talking about, I have asserted that um, in reading, even going back to the beginning, and understanding what happened in the beginning, the Most High made the Hashemayim. He made the sun, the moon, the stars. He made you. He made myself, meaning he made mankind, people, the grass, every blade of grass. Uh, the waters were brought together. Land was brought together. A, a, an area called the firmament of where we are to reside, where the Most High reside, which is the Hashemayim. All the things that we can touch and see that are quantifiable evidence. What's trying, what, 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 what trying to say? 
I, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish. finish, 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 finish. <laughs> what you trying to say? I, I'm saying that if the Most High, if hell was such a place of prominence that needed to have people uh, as, as attention to avoid it, why didn't he make mention of it or Moshe make mention of it when Moshe was going into the tent of meeting and it was sitting down and the Most High was being very specific and pontificating to him about all the things that he had done for his people from the beginning and the inception of time. It seems to me that either Moshe, A, listened intently to whatever the Most High said and he never mentioned hell or B, he's a terrible scribe and missed that portion where he said that he actually made hell. Nowhere in those six days and on the seventh day of rest does the Most High ever enumerate him making a place called hell. Secondly, again, I always will say you will get those astute people to come back and say, well, uh, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but there was no need to make a hell because the fall of man hadn't happened yet. So everything was peachy and rosy at that particular time. Okay, that's great. Let's, and this, I have to give my, 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 my mentor and teacher, because you did something on the last podcast that was very, again, I, I applaud it because when we were talking about the issue that we talked about, you got to listen to the other podcast in order to hear that. You got to understand the beginning and the end of it and put all of the mitzvot together to make a complete package. So I'm going to make a complete package here. You're bringing up the issue that it hadn't been made in the first six days because the fall of man hadn't happened. When the fall of man did happen, which you enumerated in where? Bereshit chapter three, we're handing out these spankings to everybody, Okay. Why wasn't it mentioned then? It's not even mentioned there. No. So the issue is, is that if it's never mentioned that the Most High made something so profoundly terrible for mankind, which I'm surprised you didn't go to your, your text that you, where you were saying, it's not in the Most High's nature to watch anyone suffer. Well. I didn't go there. I was just waiting for you to get through it. <laughs> but I'm bringing that I, issue. I mean, let me, I mean let's, let's just hold your point for a minute. Go ahead. You all have to think about something. If the Most High is gracious, merciful, underscore merciful, True. and compassionate, what glory would he get out of Watching That's him calling right now. <laughs> Would he get out of watching what he has created that his name is on? What would he get out of watching them suffer eternally? Nothing. Nothing. What pleasure would he get from that? See, he's y'all? compassionate mm-hmm. and he's merciful. Right. What what how does that show him merciful? Right. How does that show him compassionate? Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, because the issue is, is that when you read the text and the manuscript, it is very, very let me, let me specific right. when it says, hey, listen, you know, you will be cut off. You will be non-existent. That is what the text says on our side of the street. There is no place of eternal torment. There is you will be cut off from your people. In other words, i.e., you won't exist. You won't exist. Listen, listen. Understand something. 
The Most High created body, soul, and spirit when he created man. Mm -hmm. Your text says that. Yep. Street text says that. The body goes to dust. Spirit, pneuma, that he's given us goes back to him. Mm -hmm. He is in control of the soul. Mm. The soul of man is a spirit. You can't operate on it. Right. You can't touch it. Right. right. It exists as the spirit of who you are. It is the real you. Mm -hmm. The most high controls that. Mm -hmm. The most high took soul, connected it to a body, and gave it spirit. Mm -hmm. Gave it gave it breath. Mm -hmm. That's in text. It's right there. That's in text. Now, the most high has the right to declare what soul gets revocated from the dust. And mm -hmm. he's declared it in Daniel chapter 7. Your names, our names are written in the book of life. Mm. What's that? The book of the righteous and the, the book of the wicked. wicked. Yep. Which I think I explained before. Yep. Yes, you did. So, if you happen to be a wicked person, your soul is never, ever going to be revocated from the dust. You just don't exist. Mm-hmm. Which, period. <laughs> In the seventh day, right. when the Most High revocates his people from the dust and brings them to the land, he's only going to bring people that he deems righteous enough to come to the land. Everybody else, just you're just you're just you're just there. You're you're not in torment. You just don't exist. You're just there. You just know, yeah. And 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 which I think in my uh -oh. in my estimation is a lot worse than the idea of hell, because number one, um, least in hell you exist. And if you're looking at a Christian doc doctrine, then you're you're prescribing that there could be the possibility because it's happened before where. Their demigod has gone into the gates of hell and rescued some people and brought them up out of there for whatever reason. There's the possibility that you could be saved from out of there. So it's you're you're existing, but with the most high, you are just gone. Now, now, now understand something. Let's 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 close out with this. In the deluge. Ah. That's a good one, too. In the deluge. Oh, yeah. Uh, Y'all, don't get it twisted. Those were black folks that, that, that drowned in the deluge. Yes, they were. There were people of color that went that that was hanging out with Noah. That, <laughs> that, Beating on the door. There was melanated people. The Most High did not make them suffer. Hmm. They cease to exist. Yeah. The agony. We think about oh, the agony of drowning. Mm -hmm. They all drowned. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting that after the ground dried up, you don't find them. 
there is no text that they've found any any bodies, no skeletons, no nothing. Nowhere. Nowhere. Mm. They cease to exist. There you go. And I'm going to leave that with you. Uh Oh, man. And I want you all to think about that. Mm. Because I had a dear sister ask me, what about, what about the devil? What about the serpent in the, in the garden? What about Isaiah 14? Well, I've explained it to you. Can I have one and more? I, and, I, and, and I've been in text. I've been in text all the time explaining it to you. Yeah. Isaiah 14 is all about King Nebuchadnezzar. And it's also about our redemption mm. from this exile. Mm-hmm. It has two points to it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask one question. I'm going to leave the mic drop too. I'm going to put one in there as well. And you, you, can, you, can, you can correct me if I'm wrong. We did I ain't t- going to correct you. Because I'm going to tell you what. You're we, a wise man. We, we had this conversation too. When you, when you if, if in fact there is a hell, okay, when you die and your body returns to the what? The dust of the ground. Yeah. And you've just enumerated that your spirit goes back to the most high in your soul. That's something that cannot be touched or poked or prod is kind of laying in wait yeah. for the most high yeah, it's in to, limbo. Do, to do whatever he's going to do. Yeah. Then what's burning in hell? If your body is physically returned to the dust of the ground, then what is physically burning? So your you soul is burning. We just established in the text that <laughs> I know. So it doesn't make any sense. Right. So there's, if we've eliminated the issue of one of the greatest cornerstones of actually coming to being saved, which is to escape the wrath, which is hell, and we've just dispelled that there isn't one, then what are you standing on? What is your belief based oh, on now? Oh, do I have time? Yeah, you do. Do I have time? I got plenty of time on that recorder. I have time. We here. So I can hear, I can hear this thought. Then... What's the point? Okay. What's the point of me being saved or not saved? I'm not, I'm not going to be tormented in hell. Okay. What's the point? The point is this. <laughs> the Most High is only concerned about one set of humanity and that humanity can be from anywhere from any nation of people that exist he's only concerned about one people he's concerned about those that love him and walk according to his rules and instructions that's all he's concerned about right if we don't meet that criteria, you just cease to exist. And if you're fine with that, okay. There you go. And as a matter of fact, you might as well be fine with it because you can't change 
what the Most High has put in place for the end of man and or the eternity of man. You cannot change that. There is an eighth day that's going to occur and it's written in Zechariah when eternal life, if, it, if, if your goal is to have eternal life where this, in, this soul that you can't touch reunifies back with a body and back with Numa spirit again, if that's your concern, then you're in, you're in the wrong place if you're in the Christian church or any other religion, you're in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. Because that day is specifically set aside for the words that the Most High says, I know those that are mine. And the only way you can be his is by following his rules and instructions and you love only him. And if you love only him and you live by his rules and instructions, then you have a great chance of getting out of the seventh day into the eighth day of new beginnings, which is the day of eternal life, which is recorded in the book of Zechariah, I think it's in chapter 13, where he says, I am going to bring one third through the fire and you will be tried. So out of the seventh day, of which that we're all, which is the, which is, which is what I call from a, from a sporting, from a sport terminology, the seventh day is the draft where all the nations in Hebrew Israel get a chance that are righteous, get a chance to get, be brought back to the land. It's called the Messianic era. It's a millennial age. You got to get out of the millennial age to get to the, to get to the eighth day, the final day, which is the culmination of the restoration of all things back to its beginning where you will have eternal life. Mm -hmm. That's what this is all about. So if if, if your goal is, as my mom says, <clears throat> I just want to make it. And my mom's 108. I've impressed upon her heart and on her mind what this is all about. I've impressed upon her mind that you have lived a life that has been righteous enough in the most high that you will get invited back to the land and you will join with the nations and the words that are going to come out of your mouth is let us go up to Jerusalem for the Torah is being taught there. He's going to give us an opportunity to learn and walk in the Torah. And everybody who does, who missteps is going to get cut off out of which he's going to take from there one third. Mm -hmm. So the seventh day is the draft. The eighth day is you made the team. Right. Hey. Hey. And with that, I say to you, this has been Rabbi Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton. And we say to you, Shalom. Shalom.